welcome to Tiny Voice Talks with me, Toria Bono. And today, Tiny Voice is talking all about unprofessional development. But actually, can I just say, it's, you know, it that's not, doesn't sound as dodgy as it, you know, the name might give it. So unprofessional development are actually two amazing people that I came across, early, well, early last year, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Disco Mealy. Hey! Amazing. Thanks. That's yes. all right. <laughs> I get a lot of adjectives in a day, but that's usually not one of them. <laughs> so for everyone that doesn't hasn't come across you or indeed unprofessional development, could you tell them who you are to Disco? Hi, I'm Tedesco. I am a seventh grade English teacher in North Carolina. Yeah, and I'm a podcaster. And who is Mealy? Hey, um, I teach uh, high school math, so that's like, um, you know, I guess secondary to you guys, mostly uh, 16, 17, 18-year-olds. Um, and um, Tedisco and I used to teach at the same school, but then he left. So I'm also in North Carolina, and I'm kind of the, I don't know what I am of the podcast, but I'm the... the podcast the, wrangler? Yeah, the, the progenitor, possibly. <laughs> Um, of the of the podcast, it was kind of my idea, and I brought Tedisco along. And definitely your just, idea. It's all have, your fault. It's all my fault. So we just have a good time together. And <laughs> I thought I would get someone that would keep me, you know, in line. But Tedisco does nothing oh, but um, pour gas on the yeah. fire. <laughs> well, I have to say, uh, you invited me very kindly to be on your podcast last year. And I was slightly disturbed originally because I was thinking, <laughs> unprofessional development. What on earth am I going to be talking about? So, Tedisco, explain your podcast to the listeners. Um, it's uh, a fascinating and very safe train wreck. Um, no, we, <laughs> we, we invite on a, a guest because um, Mealy and I can talk too much if it's just the two of us. And, uh, well, let me rephrase that. Mealy invites on the guests. I just show up. <laughs> <laughs> and we talk with teachers from uh, usually around the, the U.S. Or, or Canada or the U.K., and we kind of discuss educational journeys and, and, and tell funny stories from the classroom and just kind of learn, but in a realistic way, of, of what education's really like and how funny and silly it can be and uh, all, all the sort of stuff we can gain from each other when there isn't, you know, butcher paper and objectives. Yeah, I, I would say kind of chime, Mealy kind of chiming in here. I would say that, like, the un is more the part of it than the unprofessional. So some people think yeah. that when they hear that unprofessional, they think someone that, like, you know, showed up drunk and um, <laughs> cursed out the, um, the the head teacher or was caught, you know, with the, the, um, the janitor in the broom closet or something like that. But... Um, <laughs> This is more like we think like unstructured, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit undisciplined, a little bit more relaxed is kind of what is kind of what we say, because we really do think that by having these conversations and by talking to these people that we are developing, we're just not doing it in a very like, here's three points and an alliteration um, type thing or that we're going to we're going to call it this and we're going to go this you know we don't we're not big fans of buzzwords or initiatives mm. with you know all those things being in air quotes but we like doing it we like talking to teachers 
and finding out when you've what, what are the universal things that teachers have in common that they believe and mostly it comes down to relations with, with students. How can we be better? How can we have better collegiality? And how can we take what we know is an imperfect system and try and let our heart come into it and do what's best for the kids? Yeah. And when you think about the word professionalism, like when you think I need to act professional, what you're really thinking is I need to act less human. Yes. Like it, I, I need to act in this proper, strict way, which is really the antithesis of what a, a solid teacher should be. We should be making connections. We should be silly. We should be human. Yeah. Um, so I guess that that's really the aim of unprofessional, not so much the uh, getting a trouble part. Right. And that's what came across whenever I actually started talking to Mealy about what, what exactly it meant. Then it was explained and I was like, yeah, that makes complete sense because over here, I don't think it's hit the US quite yet. We have the Bruet movement. Now, I don't know if you know about that, but mm -hmm. Ed Finch came up with the Bruet movement. And it is a movement in which he he was thinking one day, well, actually, do you know what? What When are the best educational conversations occurring at conferences? And he, he and his sort of friend went, actually, they're occurring in the pub afterwards. You yes. know, and people are really unpicking that learning together as opposed to sitting there in the conference. And mm -hmm. sometimes the best conversations occur after the training, just like in your podcast. Actually, it's when we're just sitting, chatting about teaching and learning, talking about the importance of relationships with students, et cetera, that we get those aha moments. A hundred percent. I mean, in, in those trainings, when you're sitting there just listening to somebody drone on and on and on, you mm -hmm. don't think about anything. Yeah. When you're sitting at somebody uh, having a beer or or when you're uh, talking with somebody in the, the teacher's lounge or you're complaining about a kid who's driving you nuts, that's when people start giving you that good advice or telling you a funny story that makes you feel better about your situation. Right. And, and yeah, that's kind of what a whole pod, our podcast just aims to capture. Yeah. And also the name was catchy because for we, we get a lot of feedback from the name. People hear the name and people who... I think love teaching, but don't love bureaucracy. Go, ooh, that sounds mm -hmm. like my flavor. I would like to um, participate or to to hear that. Most and so some like people bureaucracy. do, though. I do know, Tori, that there are some people who were – I had a conversation with another another teacher um, podcaster who was like, oh, I thought it was like really like terrible things. I'm like, no, no, no. I guess, I guess people could think that, but no, no. And I, I'm someone that – it pretty much always toes the line. I'm really well behaved. So mm -hmm. the, the name for me initially was like, oh my goodness, am I going to be unprofessional? <laughs> but it's, you know, God forbid, but it, it's not that at all. But I think there are podcasts out there, you know, which do, um, are more disparaging per se, mm -hmm. but actually I really like what your podcast is about. Now, part of your podcast, you, you talk about the funny stories. So yes. what I want to know from both of you is one of your really amusing stories that's just made you laugh out loud. So who wants to start? Oof, I got to oh. think. Um... Okay, I'll, I'll go to Disco. Okay, so I shared this one, and this, this is more of – and this will probably, once I think of it, I might think of another one that, that happened to me. But this, mm -hmm. to me, is still one that, to me, is hysterical that my brother did. And it just shows you that these things that the, the kids, you never know what they're going to do. They come up <laughs> with all sorts of stuff. 
So story you're about to tell. Um, so my brother was this is you know years ago because I'm I'm 52 and he's I don't know he's 49. Um, but anyway, he was in his um, chemistry class, so his science mm-hmm. class. So and I don't know if you guys have you guys use Bunsen burners over there in um, yeah. secondary school. Okay, we do. Indeed. And so so we've got Bunsen. So there's Bunsen burners in there, and they're they're hooked up to natural gas. So the teacher did something was actually unprofessional and they left the room. I don't, he doesn't even know why they left the room, but they went down the hall to go ask another teacher something or whatever while the kids were doing some type of lab at the lab tables. Oh, wow. So my brother had every, he, he convinced everybody in the course of like less than two minutes to do this. Had it doesn't all take of long the, to convince teenagers to do something dumb. No, it doesn't. So he had... <laughs> He had all of the students lay down on the floor with their eyes closed, and he took the um the gas that was closest to the door, and he opened it up long enough just so that you could just smell the uh, uh, a scent of gas when you walked in the door, not enough to really hurt no. anybody. And then he turned it back off. So the teacher walks in, and there are 25 teenagers laying on the ground, <gasps> and they smell gas. Oh my goodness! The teacher must have had a hernia. They must have screamed. At that point, I don't know what the teacher. The teacher he said screamed and ran out of the room. At which point, I can't imagine where their head goes because who are you going to tell? You're just going to you're just going to get yourself in trouble. Like I'm like you just run out the door and get in the car and um, and start packing those bags. That poor person is probably still traumatized to this day. They may never have returned to the school. God. No, but it's so, funny for us. Um, I, I assume it's. I assume someone went out in the hall and chased them down once they realized it was going on to let them know that it was a joke. <laughs> but um, but I can't imagine. Yeah, they might have had to change their underwear for all I know. But, um... Now, can I just? I just want to go back on a few points there. This was your brother told you the story. Yes. And your brother was the culprit involved in the story. <laughs> it was his idea. Wow. And what does your brother you do nowadays? He, I, this is really weird because he was a mortgage broker for a while, but um, he sells those things that to old people that you um, push the button when you say, I've fallen down and I can't oh, like get up. alert? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes, that's what he does. Right. So he's like a life, he's a, like a life alert salesman. I don't know if it's specifically for life alert or the competition, but he sells so actually, something like that. Actually, he's doing something for the good of others. I wonder if it's out, if it's out of guilt. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think he, I think he had probably had no He's just been thinking that. from a young age, what it would be like if people fell down and needed help. So. <laughs> yeah, he has. <laughs> Ever since oh. that science lesson. Mm-hmm. So. Tedisco, have you got a story that's less traumatic to the outcome of others? Oh man, uh, I how do I follow that? Ooh, the, I the mean, um, ooh, the um, the Romeo and and Juliet one. Oh my goodness! Okay, yes, thank you. Oh, that's why I keep you around, Millie. So <laughs> I, I ran a drama club for a while. I was at a middle school. They had no drama department. And the kids, like, by popular demand, like, they wanted a drama club. And some kids were just really, really pushing for it. And so they, they asked me to start one up because I have a background in theater. Uh, not formally. I just enjoyed doing theater when I was younger. So I wound up putting together uh, the, this 
the comedy show and and because uh, after a year or two, the drama club had blown up. It was it was up to like sixty kids. Oh, I thought uh, it was literally middle. blown up after the last. I've got to say, after the last oh. story, <laughs> when you you're said on it edge, up, I thought, oh my goodness, these stories are not going well. <laughs> this podcast brought to you by Michael Bay. No, um, <laughs> it, right, it had okay, so grown it had larger. Grown, right, ca- do but, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I found that like a, a bunch of skits we were going to do and I found like with, like a hundred different parts uh, for, for all these kids and we were going to showcase all of them and, and we were rehearsing for, it was probably like three or four months, right? Putting together that much, it, it takes a while. Um, but mm. this is middle school and middle schoolers aren't really well known for their endurance. Uh, so by the time we actually got to the show, kids just started dropping out and getting bored or getting distracted or getting on baseball teams and not being able to, to do the show. Uh, so almost every single time we'd meet a new kid would drop out and I'd have to recast it. This is happening mm-hmm. over and over and over. Mess. So one of the scenes is a comedic scene with Romeo and Juliet. It was, it was a spoof on the balcony scene, right? Um, and the Romeo was a kid who was in the, the, the drama club the year before is a reliable kid. I liked him a lot, but it, he had baseball. He couldn't make it to, to the tryouts, but I mean, to the uh, practices, but he, um, but he was promising me. He's like, no, 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 I'm studying the lines. I got it. So um, we had Juliet there. I was giving her all the blocking and stuff. And I was explaining what Romeo would be doing and all that sort of stuff. A week before the show. All right. Romeo, who's still not bent to any of the practices drops out. He's like, no, I, I, I just, I can't do it. I haven't been studying the lines. I was like, but, oh no. And the Juliet had been working so hard. And so I told her and I felt really bad. And she's like, it's okay. I got it. And so I said, what? And she goes, it's fine. So when we did the rehearsal, she went up on the balcony, did her lines, then ran down, knelt and gave Romeo's lines in a gruff manly voice and then ran back around and would deliver her lines again. And she killed it. Oh, she sold the whole show. It was the best part. Genius. Oh, it was fantastic. Middle schoolers oh, are that. awesome because they're oh. just they, they're that fun balance of of fearless and wild and silly and creative and childish. Oh, man. The, the audience, I'm sure, sure love that as well. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, my right. goodness. That yes. whole show is great. And I tried to record it and the camcorder didn't work. Oh, boy. Oh, no. I'm heartbroken. <laughs> so, as you know, I'm English and live over here. And I when did know that. you refer, yeah, I, I guess that you know, I guess you did. Um, but when you <laughs> refer to the whole American system, you could be Welsh I, or Scottish, and we wouldn't know the difference. Just because, just so you know, okay. right? You could yeah. told us that well, we believe rather it. Like that's rather like American and Canadian accents mm-hmm. because <laughs> someone said yes. to me they are actually different. Very. And only with certain words, honestly, because I'll hear yes. I, I can see somebody on, on television be like, oh, OK, that's cool. And then they'll say oot. And I'm like, oh, OK, they're Canadian. Yes. Like, or it'll take me they, a little while. Wow. They would have said they were in charge of the drama club instead of the drama club. You see, they it's really drama. interesting because as you as you say about, you know, the English, well, Scott and um, Irish accents, very, very similar. Yeah. Actually, yeah, it's when I'm listening to American Canadian and um, one of my favorite programs ever is Shit's Creek. Just mm-hmm. love it. Absolutely yes. adore it. And apparently that's um, a Canadian program. Yes. 
mm-hmm. and someone said that they are they sound very Canadian and I'm thinking what does Canadian sound like now that you've explained <laughs> that to me this is a learning process thank you <laughs> anyway going and back to my original today Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've now forgotten what I was going to ask you. Which oh, is- you're going to say us being Americans and you're ah, British? right. Yes. I we are Americans and you are British. That. We yes. all agree. Yes. Something about the American educational system, maybe? That was it. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. I'm so glad you're the two of you are here. So <laughs> tell me, I don't get all of this business about middle uh, you know, middle school, senior school, and the whole thing about you've got names for sophomores and this thing and that. And what what does all of that mean? Oh, like a little dictionary here? Yeah. Yeah, if you could, so that would be great. Elementary school. I watch these programs. Yeah, go. So usually we have kindergarten before first grade. We have elementary school is usually first grade to fifth grade. So that's mm-hmm. like six to 10 year olds. Okay. Uh, middle school is usually sixth through eighth grade. So that's like 11 to 13. The tweens, basically. Yes, and then oh, high school is so ninth got, to twelfth grade. That, you, is it literally a school just for eleven to thirteen year olds? Yes, yes. Wow, because we don't a... want the thirteen year olds beating up the ten year olds. Yeah, and we don't wow. want the eighteen year olds beating up the thirteen year olds. There so, was wow. there was a point where it was slightly skewed when, like, when um, some people went to school that, that high school was only three years. And um, middle school was three years, and it was K through six was it elementary school. But then at some point, it came a little more popular to have four years in high school. And I have no idea what drove that, if it was population numbers or some kind of, someone came up with some kind of study or whatever. But yeah. And, and a lot of schools here have, uh, have the freedom to sort of uh, make up a lot of their own minds. So there's still plenty of schools that are like K through six. K through K eight, through 12. Yeah. K yeah. through eight. Like, okay. schools can, but there are yeah, lots of options. For but I'll address the names. So sophomore is the only one that makes no sense at all. I have no idea the derivation of that name or mm-hmm. what that means. Uh, uh, sophomore means like somebody who's new at something or, or okay. unskilled or unlearned. But, fr- I'm, but I'm freshmen. I'm learning so much today, chaps. This is amazing stuff. But freshman and senior make the most sense. Freshman, right. you're fresh into the thing. Senior, you're at the you're at the top. So then, from senior, what's what's below Just senior? Wait. That's so, ju- and this that's is junior. in high school. So, so this high school. is in high school. So high school. So freshman, when you start high school, what's the first you're, year called? You're a freshman. So freshman's okay. ninth grade. Sophomore is tenth. Sophomore is year ten. Whatever, Junior's kind of an in between year. Junior is you're almost a senior, and then senior you're ready to um to graduate. Seniors right. at the top, uh, and then uh, it resets when you hit college too. It does. Because right, maybe that's why they did high school. College is college freshman, and then the next year sophomore. Maybe that's why high schools went to four years because to make it mo- to model it uh, after um after colleges, yeah. which I don't are know which um, one came first. Years. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so it's the chicken and the university sort of paradox. Exactly. <laughs> So do so you, do you finish what what age do you finish high school? About 17, 17, 18, depending on what your birthday is. And so does everyone attend school until they are eighteen, or can if you leave not? Then you're a dropout technically. Well, <laughs> so you no, because are... over here you can over over here you do your GCSEs, which is at the age of sixteen. And then you can continue with your A-levels at a college or whatever. Um, but you 
some people go on to apprenticeships and all sorts. So actually, yeah. not everyone is required to te- to keep on doing education until the age of 18. So here, um, it varies from state to state because um, uh-huh. different states set, set their own rules. Um, but tip- the typical route is to finish school at 17 or 18 by progressing one grade uh, each year. Um, there are people who drop out and they have the option of getting their uh, GRE, which can uh, GED. GED, sorry, GED, which they replace. Like, of, an equi- of, they call it like a something, something general education diploma or yeah. Yeah. yeah like so uh, that takes can take the place. Um, but otherwise, uh, they in, in our state, they legally have to stay in school until they're 16. I want to yeah. say I yeah. definitely don't tell my 16 year olds that. Um, and it, it um, afterwards, yeah, they have the option to, to just not show up anymore. But if they want to keep attending school and they haven't graduated yet, we legally have to serve them until they're 21, I believe. Yeah, I wow. think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you could yeah. have a 21-year-old in high school if they still have not graduated. Yeah. And generally uh, that's and a that's a bad thing when they're when they're there because they they've they're it's not at that point that they're not aiming to graduate and so yeah. they just wind up uh right. getting in trouble or like that is something that does commonly happen. Not yeah. with everybody. I Occasionally mean, you have the kid that that's that at like 18 realizes okay, I need to get my act together. I've been goofing off and and getting yeah. in trouble for too long and I want to kind of get this um diploma because the apprenticeship thing which you guys have is really cool and it's not saying that you couldn't go into trades and do that but if when you apply for any kind of job here you would have you'd have to go, you would have to do it that way um rather than we don't have like true apprenticeship programs you would have to just like apply like hey I want to work at for this plumber or this plumbing company or this carpentry company um if you don't have a diploma a lot of them will st- will kind of like go, ooh, okay, what's the what's the problem here? And mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of looked as you might have some kind of character issues. Uh, I'll also say, uh, and I don't know if you guys knew this, uh, America has a history of racism. Yes. Uh, so we, our schools are very anti, uh, and it's still things. being written this year. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Um, our our Sadly. schools are, are very worried about doing things like setting up tracks for students because historically that has been a way to uh, disparage students of color or yeah. give uh, unfair advantages to to white students. Yeah. Um, so while they, you know it's cool that that there are you know a lot of vocational schools and things like that in America we're we're very nervous about those sorts of things um, because in a lot of ways that winds up being a way for some schools to to push. Uh, low-income students or students of color um, out of an academic track early. Yes, definitely. So that's something we're nervous about. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could do anything to change education over there, what would you do? Give every teacher a billion dollars. Yes. Wow. I would, Inflation would be you, damned. <laughs> and what Go would ahead, you do with your go. billion dollars? Not teach. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I'm not sure that works. I'd be honest. No, my system's perfect. Uh, I see no flaws. I, uh, to be honest, I think the main way I, I would work on fixing education personally is uh, getting more counseling and mental health uh, assistance in schools. Um, a, a lot of my students struggle with mental health issues, and they don't have the resources um, or the inclination uh, to get help. Uh, so, and, and there are so many kids who consistently misbehave and all the teachers will say they don't need a teacher. They need a therapist. 
And if they don't get it, what are we going to do? Writing them up and suspending them? They just wind up in a cycle. So that's what I would do. How about you, Mealy? Um, I would, A, eliminate uh, standardized tests, which are really annoying and mostly stupid. And yep. B, um, cut the curriculum cut so much of the fat out of the curriculum. There is so much yep. leftover. I've discussing because I teach math that there is so much curriculum in America that is left over from the cold war era where we're mm. teaching them all of these things that are basically algorithms that computers can do now versus like getting rid of a lot of that and having the kids learn more conceptual stuff, learning more deeply what they're going into and, um, I would replace, and it's starting to seep its way in very slowly, but a lot more data analysis versus um, how to uh, launch a rocket and get it to, like, we just study parabolas way, mm -hmm. way too much. And yeah, they're very interesting if you're trying to get, like, a rocket to, into outer space or into the moon or whatever, but there's that's not really, like, the computers can do that for us for the most part uh, now. Yeah, Tori, I'm, I'm curious. So, yeah, in the American school system, most kids graduate having to learn some form of pre-calculus, uh, working with quadratics since they were in middle school, um, and they don't ever learn how to, like, balance a checkbook yeah. uh, or do their taxes. Is it similar in, in England? Yeah, I mean, it's very, you know, you've got your maths curriculum, and I think you can take other, you know, you can take business um, GCSEs, etc. You can take a different GCSEs that will teach you other sort of life skill things. But actually, I would say that the math GCSE is very much what you're saying. And it's interesting when Mealy was talking, because I've written down standardized testing curriculum. And what I find fascinating, and this is why I love your podcast and why I love having these sort of conversations, is that you may be miles away from me, but actually, globally, we have the same issues. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we are talking about should young people be tested within an inch of their life? Hmm, not so much. <laughs> should they, you know, should we actually be looking at the curriculum and making it fit 2021? Uh, hmm, that would be good too. Yes. And that's not just an English thing. No. And I'm sure it's not just an American thing. I'm sure no. it's a global thing in which actually yes. what we need to be doing as educators is really looking at what we are doing. Number one to the young people that we're teaching, as you said, Tedesco, you know, that well-being, the mental health, the impact that it's having on them being tested within an inch of their lives. Unbelievable. But also then, are we actually getting them ready for leaving school? Are we teaching them those life skills that we need? Hmm, not so much. They're very good at knowing what pi is, but do they actually, how many times, I was having this conversation with my daughter this morning, how many times have I used that necessary pi thing and cosine and sine and all the rest of the stuff Right. Very since rarely. I left school? I don't think yeah. I have, I'll be honest. No, no. no. Maybe the Pythagorean theorem, if you were kind of building a shed or something like that, and you want to know how big to make the roof, possibly. I haven't done that. Really right. haven't. I mean, right. you know, it's... And the, but, one of my favorite sayings as teacher I used to teach with um, would say, and because we were, at that point, we were even doing more testing. My, my district had all of these mandated, they were calling them formative tests, but basically, like every 
five weeks, we would have to give them like a, a standardized test. Mm-hmm. And um, this isn't a very nice way to talk about students, but the analogy works really well. She said, you don't make a, you don't make a pig any fatter by weighing it more. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is, you know, you can weigh the pig so many different times, but the pig is going to weigh the same amount. So right. actually we've got to stop weighing the pig and then we've got to consider what the pig needs. Right. And right. it's and I think that's the same as I say, it's the same for you. It's the same for me. And I think it's the same for educators right. around the globe, which is why conversations like these are so powerful. It's and it's tough. And I, I've said this a lot, but I, it, it, a lot of it stems from um, the general public wants to know that you're doing a good job. And they want to know that this school is accomplishing something and that these students are learning something. Mm-hmm. And they can't come in the school and see what you're doing and all of the unmeasurable stuff that happens that is so good, that is so beneficial, that's turning out great citizens and great future um, workers and leaders and all of the stuff that we are that we are doing in the classroom. There's so much stuff that you can't measure, but they want to see numbers so they can go. Oh well, look, this one over here, this school, they 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 have ninety, and this one has seventy. So therefore, the the education system must be better over there. Which is, it's like, yes, but your measuring your measuring stick isn't worth a hoot. So it doesn't matter that this one is this and this right. one is that. So. Put that put that thing away, and just tr- you know, trust that the people that are going into education, ninety five percent of them are doing it because they have the kids' best interests at heart, and they're trying to get better, and they're trying to do what's best for the kids. And if you would just give them a little more trust and a little less rules, then they will turn out um, a great future generation for you. And Neely and I were talking about this the other day, and and I, I realized, like, you know what? As educators, we have too much to do in a day. Like at the end of any day as a teacher, right, a full day of teaching, you could make a list of all the things that you didn't do or you failed to accomplish, right? (laughs) Like you could. Um, And and the fact of the matter is it's just it's too much to juggle. And so you have to choose priorities as an educator, as a professional. You just need to because you can't do it all. And every teacher is going to choose a different priority. Maybe your priority is going to be the mental health of your students. Maybe your priority is going to be getting them to understand writing and, and the curriculum. Maybe your priority is going to be the 21st century skills. Maybe your priority is going to be what's in the textbook, yeah. right? But we all have different priorities. And I think it takes a village. I think it's good that we have a variety of those. So when somebody comes in and observes your classroom, what are they really observing? I mean, they can't really, they take notes on, on this general rubric, but they don't really see where your priority is and how much that's paying off long term. Yeah, and I really like that it takes the whole village because I've never thought about that before. The fact that actually every teacher has different priorities based on their value systems. Mm-hmm. Such yeah. an interesting point. And, and yeah. isn't it great that we that students interact with so many different teachers and can right. get those different values? And you definitely have had teachers who don't seem to value you based on your priorities and you have some teachers who seem to value you greatly and, and really love mm-hmm. and respect you for your priorities. Right. And, and that, I think that's a good reflection of the world, but I, I think we need to embrace that variety yeah. yeah, rather than try to get everybody to fit a cookie cutter mold. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Now I can't quite believe that 
we've, we're coming towards the end because I could talk to you two for hours just about education. It's brilliant. Listen to our podcast. There you go. I do listen to the podcast. <laughs> and I just say I do, you know. But listeners do listen to their podcast. It's very, yes. very interesting. Now, yes. I want to know before I go and you go, I want to know if you could have been taught by anyone and I have given you the heads up on this one, chaps, because I've yeah, I warned ready. you beforehand. Are you ready now? Good. So I I'll am. ask the question. Sure. If you could have been taught by anyone, and they could be living, dead, who would have been your perfect teacher? Mealy, off you go. Okay. So there's a lot of different possibilities, but I figure since I'm on the show, why don't I actually like make sure that this is one that we hopefully all know and love? Um, mm-hmm. And so it would be the Tom Baker version of Doctor Who. <laughs> Okay. Oh, good I, choice. With the scarf. Yes, with the scarf. Way to pander, Mealy. With, with the sonic screwdriver, <laughs> with, K, with, with K9 and Sarah James coming along with us. Okay. So um, <laughs> I, I grew up as a Doctor Who nerd. Um, it was mm-hmm. imported into us and we would, you could watch it two different ways. I told Tedisco this in, in my area, you could watch it either. Every night it was on at 11 o'clock, a 30-minute installment, or on Saturdays you could watch the whole um, segment where it would be like four or like four episodes mashed together as like a two-hour movie. And I just, I just love Tom Baker, and he really, and I know the whole Doctor Who show. There's kind of like some other science fiction shows. There's always a message behind the science fiction that's going on, whether it's a message about, Mm -hmm. you know, racism or some kind of political message or something about learning how to be a better person. There's always a moral to, um, to all those, um, Doctor Who stories, as mm-hmm. well as he can be teaching you science. He can take you to various points in history. He could, you know, it's like, hey, let, let's go, let's go meet Archimedes. Let's go talk to Michelangelo or Shakespeare or Confucius or wherever we wherever we want to go. I can I can have him take me there yeah. or whatever. I can go um, to other planets and and learn from the Daleks. I guess maybe it would be <laughs> devastating to find out that Shakespeare was a Cyberman, though. That would really upset me. Yes, I yes. don't know if I'd be able to recuperate. Okay. Yes. And so that's, so that's um, who I would, I would love to have as my teacher and, and travel around with him. Great. And I actually got to see him speak. I was at a Doctor Who convention in the, in the eighties and Tom Baker spoke and he had the place um, literally on the floor laughing. He is, he is so funny. <laughs> that's awesome. Yes. So what about you to disco? Who would you choose? And now I'm regretting not choosing the David Tennant Doctor Who. Um <laughs> All right, I'm going to pick two uh, for very different reasons. Um, I would want Diogenes just so I could argue with him all day. Wow. Okay. Because um, I really, I, I respect a lot about Diogenes and disagree with everything he said. But like, I think it would be great to argue with him. But I think if I just had a teacher, I'd probably pick George Carlin. Um, mm. He has a very unique way of looking at things. And he has a way to make you question your priorities and your values, uh, and um, he, he he makes you you think and and doubt, and and I like all of that. So I I would definitely pick George Carlin. I saw I got to see him live. Cool. So, oh man, I'd love to see him live. Yes. Oh, it was great. He's yeah, hysterical. It was, a, it was an He's awesome show. Very very prolific writer too, in terms of his material. Oh yeah, and a good poet. Like 
it, it, we oh. don't, you don't consider it poetry because okay. he's just standing on stage. But like, if that were just written down in lines, like the way he he uses words and language and rhythm and rhyme, it's very poetic. Yeah, he chooses words very, very carefully. Yeah, if you ever listen to his rant about the modern man, that's that's straight poetry. Yeah, oh, I like his baseball football one and <laughs> and his rant about stuff. I like the stuff. Um, stuff. Yes, why well, oh, have man. so much stuff? Sorry, Tori, we're hijacking your podcast, too. <laughs> I was just listening to the two of you enthralled. I really was. So for anyone that wants to catch your podcast, what's the best way to find it? So I think just Googling Unprofessional Development Podcast will get you there um, most times. In fact, just for fun, the other day when you and I were going back and forth on Twitter with um, who was the, uh, the other account that we were talking to that you had kind of gave us a shout out, you know what I'm talking about? I do, and I can't Barack remember. Obama? Uh, yeah, yeah, Barack it, Obama? Yeah, Barack Obama. Yeah, that's who it was. <laughs> but anyway. Sure he follows us. So if you Google, if you literally Google unprofessional um, Toria, I think that the episode that you are in comes up. Yeah, really? we're on. Unprofessional yeah. Toria. How exciting yes. is that? <laughs> unprofessional Toria. You have a new Twitter handle. You're welcome. Yeah, I love that. And so, but if you, me, but if you, if you, but if you do Google unprofessional development podcast, there is a British one which has like um, two episodes, and then they quit. So, if you <laughs> don't see our faces written in chalk, then um, you, you, you've got you've got the wrong one. I think we're number one at this point, though. Yeah, yeah. And so, Mealy, I know you're on Twitter. So, what is your Twitter handle for people to okay. connect with you? Unprocast. So at unprocast. So it's real simple there. Follow him on Twitter. Mealy's hilarious. Yes, I'm. 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 I'm not bad. I'm. I'm. I'm a Twitteraholic. So, um, and if you follow that is me, also true. Oh, and as the kids say, my my DMs are open. So there's there's no restrictions. So if you want to slide into my DMs and and ask me school questions or podcast questions, I am always available to talk. So. And that's one of the things I just would give you a, t- a shout out to Toria. Toria, what you have done for teacher Twitter, as you know, um, is just unbelievable. And the connections that you have made and the impact that you have made by connecting person A and person B and person C and person L all along the wilds is, is really, really fantastic. Toria's um, Tiny Voice Tuesdays um, the, uh, uh, thing that she does where you can go on there and follow and follow back. I have no idea how many people I've. Um, gain from that and so many um relationships and friendships and help grow the podcast and all and all those kinds of things so um that's really just been um was a great experience one of the one of the benefits the weird benefits of the uh, pandemic was that i had a whole lot of time last spring to um jump into twitter and get to know people and tori would even i would be talking to her when it was midnight for me and 5 a.m. for her and i was like trying to stay up till like she woke up um so well i i actually changed the time of tiny voice talks so that it went out midnight my time so that you weren't having to stay up any longer because i felt so bad about it so you are the one and now it's just on 24 hours it just goes from midnight to midnight on a you know tuesday but yeah 
Uh, but it, it's been great meeting you. And, and through meeting you on Twitter, I've met Disco as well. And I'm really mm-hmm. grateful to know the two of you. So thank you both for coming Amen. on and talking yes. to me all about unprofessional development. Thank you. Thank, thank, thank you for having fun. us. We're, we're excited to yeah, be here. I'm, I'm excited to be invited anywhere. <laughs> <laughs>